listener production. Is your kid a high achiever? How do they handle it when they fail? The habitual all or nothing thinking experienced by our young perfectionists results in the unhelpful belief that if they don't achieve 100%, they're as good as failed. Today on Feed, Play, Love, helping our children embrace their imperfections. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. Do you have a child who gets upset when they don't come first in a race or who loses it when their cupcakes don't look like the winning ones in Bake Off? When kids want to be perfect at everything, it can lead to great disappointment. But more than that, children who are perfectionists can be setting a bar too high too soon. And that in itself has its consequences. So how can we help our kids find a balance between putting in enough effort and expecting too much? Dr. Kayleen Henderson is a child psychiatrist and parenting educator. Hi, Kayleen. How are you? Hi. Well, thanks, Siobhan. This topic is very close to my heart because I do have a wee little perfectionist at home. And one of the things that has always intrigued me is where do children pick up ideas about perfectionism, this need to be the best at everything? How do they come to expect that of themselves? Oh, gosh, that's that's a hard question to answer. I think, you know, many of us as parents ourselves are quite perfectionistic is the reality. I'm not saying that's the case for your little one, but we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves as parents, wanting to be the best parents and humans that we can be. And often that does rub off on our children. But I think even broader than that in society, there there are, gosh, there's untold number of messages that they pick up on that, you know, winning winning is what it's all about. Being the best is what's what it's all about. Um, you know, there's there's so much messaging, particularly in sports, you know, and through school and in our broader community that, you know, we need to be the best, not not necessarily be our best, but be the best, which our children inadvertently pick up, not, not necessarily from home, but, you know, they certainly are exposed to it often enough for those messages to, to often be internalised by our young children. And when they're very little, to me, it has always felt very illogical because it might be that there was an athletics carnival and my daughter wouldn't come first in the race and I'd say, well, darling, you haven't run since the last athletics carnival, so you can't (laughs) expect to win. But she was so hard on herself for not being able to achieve this incredible result without practice. So there's a certain amount of naivety and inexperience that comes into this expectation. But I was like, how do you get, how do you think you get from that to this? So true. That's so true. Because often I think a lot of us do it inadvertently at home too, just with our really young children. We honestly think they are the cutest humans ever born uh, (laughs) who can just, you know, they learn something new every day. We do marvel at them, but sometimes our word choices as we're delighting in our children and marveling at their learning and achievements does put emphasis on them being the best at it. We, we can inadvertently mm. say things like, oh my gosh, you're the best dancer. 
or what a fabulous artist you are. You're just the best artist or you are the fastest runner. When children hear that, well, firstly, they, they sort of fall under the mistaken belief that they are actually the fastest runner, which is <laughs> highly likely not to be the case. Uh, but also what they're hearing from us is that what we're most impressed by is that they're the best. And so mm. they can absolutely pick up from us very inadvertently. We, we don't realise that we're sharing that message, but children do see the world through our eyes. And so if we highlight that it's being the best or being the fastest or being the person who wins that's most important, then they will naturally assume the same. Do you have any examples of how we might change our language so it's not so influential in that way, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. We all do it. And I, I had to, I was lucky enough to learn about this in my training and with three high-achieving children myself, I've had to be really conscious of the wording I use with them because it is something that we have to actively, yeah, be conscious of in terms of steering them away from that unhelpful thinking pattern that they need to be the best or they need to get 100%. There's, there's language that we understand. They're grouped into two categories when we use praise with children, and you might have heard of this before. Uh, Carol Dweck's research out of Stanford University brought us all that wonderful growth mindset research, and she grouped praise into two categories, content praise and process praise. Now, content praise focuses on a fixed quality about our child. So you're really smart, for example, or you're a great dancer. Uh, or an end result. So, you know, you won the race or you're the fastest runner or you're an amazing artist. Or, you know, that that's the best block tower I've ever seen, that sort of thing. Alternatively, what's more helpful for children is actually to focus on process praise, which is not the end result or a fixed quality about our child, but it's the how we get there bit, which we know as adults is actually more important. And so process praise focuses more on effort persistence, concentration, ideas, and enthusiasm. So it's it's not the result, but it's the how you get there. And if children, again, hear us focus more on the how you get there, then they'll assume that to be more important. And so they too will focus on putting the effort in and coming up with some ideas when things are tricky, persisting through challenges, um, you know, staying motivated, all those qualities that we know ultimately helps so much more than whether you're smart or whether you're a great artist. But they, they absolutely learn to see it through what we put emphasis on. So it is really important for us as parents to think about how we can use more process praise than content praise when we're commenting on our children's efforts and achievements. Another thing that I know you talk about in terms of helping our children steer away from a perfectionistic mindset is modelling mistakes. Yes, uh, now, I think it's not a walk. <laughs> <laughs> not on purpose. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, hmm, I'm not sure that I would, uh, hmm, I'm trying to think of where I haven't made mistakes in front of them, but I suppose if I'm honest, then there are things that I do that I I have to make sure that I'm getting, nailing it at certain points. And often it is about things to do with them, like making sure that I've got all the ducks rowed up 
Oh, I can't speak now. <laughs> I know what you mean. All your ducks in a row. Yes. So there I you will... go. Look at that. You just made a mistake and you're going to keep that into the podcast and that's fine. <laughs> and I'll play it back to my kids so they can see. But my goodness, that's actually a really great example. We probably don't even realise when we're being perfectionistic ourselves. Mm-hmm. Gosh, so how do you model meaningful mistakes and not just the natural ones that we do every day? Oh, gosh. This is something I've had to put zero thought into, honestly, because I just muck up all the time. I'm just <laughs> I'm just a frequent flyer in the mistake-making aisle, mistake aisle of life. My children's school teach them this awesome concept, and, and so this is the language we use at home. Uh, they teach children about learning and they really encourage learning, which is this learning through failure or learning through mistake making. Because we do, don't we? So, so often we learn through the mistakes that we make. And so they really encourage learning and they see it as a positive because it's just a, a different way in which we learn. Uh, and it really takes the pressure off children to somehow get things right first time or to somehow know things they've not yet learned, which, which is unrealistic. So we, we use this language at home and, and I will say openly to the kids, oh my goodness, I've been on like a flirner film today. I'm just been making mistakes. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I think ultimately if you are a parent who is more perfect than me, and I, I don't think that would be terribly difficult, but you might have <laughs> to look for opportunities to model mistake making because it, it actually is really important for children to see that everybody makes mistakes uh, and, and also including, you know, their, their heroes in their life, which is, which is us. But also to be really careful when we do make mistakes that we're not really critical towards ourselves. You know, if we're really harsh or we say something awful to ourselves out loud each time we make mistakes, like, why, why am I such an idiot? How did I not realise that or whatever it might be? You know, children do learn that making mistakes isn't okay. You know, making mistakes means there's something wrong with us and, and we should we should be really hard on ourselves in those moments. And, and again, that's not what we want our children to learn. So there is a lot of, it's like anything in parenting, isn't it? We learn so much along the way and we do have to be reflective of, of what we're doing and the way in which we're behaving is, is what we want our children to learn. But mistake making is is certainly one of those areas. If if you are someone who has to look for opportunities to make mistakes, then then do that. You know, like it, you can really set things up. It doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> I can give you examples. I can say, you know, if you if you're setting the table, you can bring over too many plates, or you can bring over all forks and no no knives or something, and just say, oh gosh, silly me, I just you know even silly me just oh no I brought over the wrong thing not to worry back I go I'll fix it up you know you can look for any sort of opportunity depending on how old your child is and what your what sort of situations you're trying to demonstrate it in um or even just as you're telling stories about about your day you can mention times that you you might have mucked up or you made a mistake or you know the thing that we all do where Someone says, you know, how are you? And you say, thank you or something when you're not really paying attention and you laugh, you laugh at yourself about the social mistakes you make sometimes um, when you haven't had enough coffee. It, all those things can just <laughs> come up in conversation and we can laugh at ourselves and accept that mistakes are absolutely normal and nothing to be hard on ourselves about. And I think we, we for some of us who haven't 
grown up being so accepting of mistake making ourselves or perhaps a little hard on ourselves it might be something that we need to consciously put effort in but when we do it's not just our children who benefit is it it's us too and finally one of the points you talk about and I love this one is watching how we react to our child's mistakes absolutely we an important part of addressing our children's perfectionism is considering how we respond when our children act in imperfect ways. If we want our children to learn that mistakes are okay, that mistakes happen as part of the day and, you know, they're not something that we need to be hard on ourselves about or to become anxious about, then we need to consider whether our reactions and responses to our children back that up. So if you've got a little one and he goes and you know, spills their cup of juice all over the kitchen bench in the morning. We have a rule in our family that you're not allowed to get cranky at accidents because accidents are nobody's fault. They happen all the time. If, if that's not the way you've rolled before, though, if you do tend to overreact in those instances when your child has made a mistake or had an accident or made a poor choice, as we all do all the time, then, again, you're... You're at risk of instilling in your child that same internal voice that he or she is not allowed to make mistakes or it's not acceptable for them to have accidents or to make poor choices and for them to have over time to develop this unrealistically high expectation around around what's okay and what's not okay for them. So we do need to consider our own responses in those instances when our children are being fabulous young learners as we want them to be. I love that. Flerning. Taking Flerning. that one with me. <laughs> Kayleen, thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure. That's Dr. Kayleen Henderson. She's a child psychiatrist and parenting educator. And if you'd like to learn more about her, I'll put links to her website in the notes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the listener app and don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.